Hey everybody, this is Pastor James. Welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. Today we are starting chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians and we should be able to finish the entire chapter. So let's get started and not waste any time. <clears throat> let's begin reading verses 1 through 9 as Paul talks about him and Apollos being servants of Christ. So it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters works together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's fields. You are God's building. Alrighty, so right here we see that chapter 3 starts off with Paul, and he's referring to the people Corinth as brothers and sisters, which is still important because he, he considers them followers of Christ, although they are having some major struggles. Uh, they are <clears throat> not very spiritually mature. And they've let sin creep in, and they're being like men and women of the world rather than men and women of God. But he still calls them brothers and sisters. Now, verse 1 is, is where we get the analogy of young Christians being babies or infants in their spiritual journeys. And he even uses the analogy of young Christians being babies or infants in this. And he talks about feeding them milk and not feeding them solid food because they just can't handle anything like that and that's a great analogy i mean right now i have uh i have two children perry is three and naomi is two and uh right now there's still things that we don't let naomi eat as a two-year-old just for safety reasons and even though perry's three there are still foods that we like specially prepare for him and naomi in order to keep them from choking and they're young and we don't fuss at them uh, for this. I mean, we are glad to prepare uh, their food for them to keep them from choking because we love them and they're young and they just aren't able. So we don't fuss at them for it. We don't blame them for not being able to, to do this. It's just part of growing up. Um, and we are more than happy to, to take the extra time to cut up a hot dog weenie or, or to slice up grapes or, or to cut up their chicken or, you know, something else that could be dangerous or a choking hazard. And we're more than happy to keep away hard candies so that they don't choke on them. Um, they can't help it. It's just part of growing up. And the tricky part is, in this analogy, is that the people of Corinth are grown. They are men and women. So even though... They are spiritually immature, and it's a great analogy of feeding them spiritual milk rather than a meat or solid food. 
The problem is, is that the men and women of Corinth are consciously aware enough as grown individuals to understand that they are spiritually immature. So even though that they are spiritually immature, it should not keep them from being aware that they are spiritually immature. And this is why Paul is speaking to them. They have not realized it yet. They just don't see it. And these people really do think that they have Christianity figured out. And that's why they are trying to overcome their brothers and sisters in these quarrels. Uh, They think they have it figured out, but they don't. And they think that they are right by following certain people. And they think that some of the things that they believe is right, and they're trying to elevate themselves above one another. But they need to hear what Paul is saying. They need to realize what Paul is saying. And they need to start working on growing so that they can grow to be mature spiritual believers in Christ. And so what Paul does is he's, is he's addressing these issues in chapter 3 is he identifies things that are clear evidences of their immaturities. And he starts off with being controlled by sinful nature. He talks about jealousy, quarreling, living like people of the world, the proclamation of following Paul, the proclamation of following Apollos, and all of these things are what people of the world would do. And so these are things to easily identify. And so one of the biggest things that Paul is saying, like, look, you're spiritually immature, and the the best evidence that we have of your spiritual immaturity is that you're still acting like normal people. And as followers of Christ, you're not supposed to act like normal people. You are supposed to be different. And it's very important to understand that this understanding and this wisdom and all these things, it's available to them. It's not like God was withholding it from them. So the healthy, adult, mature food was there for the taking. It's been ready for them. God wanted them to have it. It's available, but they just haven't been eating it. And right now, um, you know, going back to my kids in this analogy, uh, you know, we're in this struggle with Perry and Naomi being three and two. And at any given moment, according to what suits their interest, especially Perry being three, um, at any given moment, he can be a big boy. No, I'm a big boy. I, I can do this and, and I, I want to do this and I want to be able to do what I want to do. Or he can be mama's little boy. And so on any given day, it's according to what he's trying to get or accomplish as to whether or not he's a big boy or he's mama's little boy. And Naomi is just kind of at this stage in life where she's like, no, I can do it or I want you to do it. And so it's very simple for her, but it's kind of, uh, it's been complicated with Perry because he's a little older. But, you know, they understand that at whatever they want is convenient for them, and so they try to manipulate that. And so for Perry and Naomi, there's a lot of things like food that Hannah and I would love to just give them as much food as they wanted, within reason, healthy food. We would love to give them as about as much healthy food as they could possibly eat if they would eat it. But the problem is, is that they always want snacks or desserts or candy or something like that and we're just not going to give it to them we we actually will deprive them of food in order to get them to the point where they are so hungry they're willing to eat healthy foods and so the problem is with these corinthians is that the food has always been available but they are like my kids where they've only been craving junk food and god 
is a good parent. He's not just going to give junk food to you. If you want to be a baby, then he's just going to feed you milk. He's going to give you limited what you can understand, the bare minimum, to keep you healthy, to keep you from choking, to keep you from from eating stuff that you just can't handle. And we aren't going to treat uh, people who act like babies like big boys and big girls. We, we want them to grow up. We want them to be mature. We want to provide everything for Perry and Naomi. And God wants to provide everything for us. God wants to give us pure, whole, healthy, solid food to live off of. Spiritual food to make us healthy and grow us in maturity. And God will give us as much as we want. I mean, think about this. The scripture says that God can fill our cup, and not only will he fill it, but he'll make it run over with spiritual blessings. He, God has an endless amount of spiritual blessings ready for us if we are willing and ready to receive them. <clears throat> but the problem is, for the Corinthians, and even for a lot of us, is that we just don't want it. We'd rather eat junk food, or we just don't want to eat at all. But God's not going to force feed you. And he's not just going to sit around and let you eat junk food all the time. He wants to feed you good, healthy things. And Paul is trying to help the Corinthians see that good, solid food, the ability to grow spiritually is there. It's there for the taking if the Corinthians would just realize it and desire it and allow God to give it to them. And so Paul goes on and uh, he kind of finishes up this section that we just read with, really reducing himself and Apollos um, in the effort to elevate and glorify Christ being crucified. So Paul and Apollos, and he writes that they were only servants of God and they're nothing more. Um, They are the reason these people believed in Jesus, but they are not the ones that the people believed in. And I want to say that again because that's a really cool statement. Paul and Apollos are the reason these people believed in Jesus, but they are not the ones that the people should have believed in. They only did what God enabled them and called them to do. Paul planted the seed. Apollos watered the seed. But God is the one that made it grow. And so Paul speaks about how it isn't important who plants. It's not important who waters or who harvests. Rather, Everyone who's involved in the process are called to work together for the same purpose. All will be rewarded in heaven for their work. And followers of Christ are the workers, and the people receiving the ministry are the fields and the buildings that God is growing and constructing to build his kingdom. And the cool thing is, is uh, the rest of the chapter, uh, starting in verse 10, Paul just kind of takes this whole idea uh, of moving from the analogy of this field and the soil and and planting and watering and harvesting to now we're 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 using the analogy of the kingdom is like a building and and Paul is going to lay this foundation. So let's read verses 10 through 23 together and we'll finish up for today. It says because of God's grace to me I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on Judgment Day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. 
The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are the temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to truly be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God, as the scriptures say. He traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thought of the wise, and he knows they are worthless. So don't boast about following a particular human leader, for everything belongs to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death or the present and the future. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. All right. So this time, Paul runs with the analogy of building a building. And instead of planting the seed, this time he is the one that has laid the foundation like an expert builder upon which everything else would be built on. And the truth is, there is only one foundation. If you know anything about building, uh, um, there's only one foundation. Now, Paul identifies this one foundation in verse 11 as being Jesus Christ. So although many people are going to come in later and add on top of this foundation. You're going to have your framers. You're going to have your plumbers. You're going to have your electricians. You're going to have the people come in and do the siding. And you're going to have people come in and put in windows and doors and trim. And they're going to do the flashing. And they're going to put the roof on. And they're going to do the soffiting and the fascia board. And then they're going to start working on the inside and doing all the sheetrock work and the trim carpentry and installing all the appliances and the cabinets. There's so much that goes into building a building, but it all goes on the one foundation. And Paul is talking about how this foundation is Jesus Christ. And so, although many people come later and they add on top of it, the foundation can't be changed or added to. So you can do an addition, like you can add on to a house, but you have to do a, founda a separate foundation for that addition. But the foundation that is already there is permanently set and it cannot be changed you would have to tear down the entire structure to put a new foundation underneath it and this is why paul talks about the materials that these people are going to choose to build with later on in verse 12 now um you know hannah and i, I you've probably if you've been listening to the podcast anytime or if you're a part of our church you know hannah and i had this incredibly amazing frustrating long experience of kind of rebuilding the house that we bought and uh so so we have a really good knowledge of this and it's unique at how many times during the process we had to make a decision solely based off of finances and many people do this with homes um you know we would all love to have the nicest homes in the world but the truth is most people can't afford the nicest homes in the world, so we have to settle for things. And when Hannah and I were rebuilding the house that we bought, we just simply couldn't afford everything. We couldn't afford the best materials all the time. So uh, we couldn't do everything grade A, first class to perfection. We would have liked to, um, but we just couldn't. So uh, 
there were constantly things that we would have to settle for throughout the process of construction. And we tried our best to make sure the things that we settled for were not really important things and they were things that could be you know done done a little cheaper that really wouldn't affect the value or the integrity of the home so on the things that that were truly important to the structural integrity and the value of the home there were times where we even stopped and we would save up money uh, so that we could afford really good materials or something really good that would add to the structural integrity or the value of our home and so we had to make those decisions constantly and if you've ever been involved with a home and repairing it or building a home you understand exactly what i'm talking about but here's the deal about building god's kingdom now this is the really cool part when it comes to building god's kingdom it isn't a matter of whether or not you can afford the best materials so paul talks about you know the people coming later are going to choose what materials they're going to build with and he lists gold silver jewels wood hay or straw which are six very unique and different building materials and the first three are extremely valuable materials um and the last three are relatively cheap materials um and all of these materials are available to us and the real question is is what we're going to choose um it doesn't matter how much money you have to build god's kingdom you don't need money all you're relying on is god to provide for you and so according to god's provisions we have access to anything we just choose whether or not we're going to cheap out on building god's kingdom or if we're going to really go all in and put every effort we have into it and use the best materials because you could choose to cheap out in building building God's kingdom. You know, you could give him only a little bit of a time and spend a lot of your time on your hobbies or doing something else. Or you can give him a little bit of your money or spend all your money somewhere else. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things you can cut corners on in building God's kingdom. And a lot of people do that. Um, or you can put all of your effort, all of your time, all of your money in building God's kingdom and really use the best materials in that. And that's the analogy Paul's using. So... If you build God's kingdom the right way, uh, that's what God wants. But like I said, most people choose to cheap out on it. But we need to understand that one day we're going to stand before God on Judgment Day and God is going to test the very fabric of what we have built in the name of Jesus with fire. That's important to understand. All the the effort that you've put into church, all the effort that you've put into serving the Lord, it will be tested with fire. And and understand today, like when we talk about gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, all of those are legitimate building materials. You know, you think, well, hay, straw, like I, I could see wood, but hay and straw, I, I, I love building and architecture. And I've watched a documentary of a guy building... I think it was about a 20,000 square foot mansion uh, with mud and straw walls. And, and this home, and you think, oh my gosh, mud and straw walls. He must be living in you know, a third world country. No, this is in uh, the United Kingdom. And this man was building a 20,000 square foot mansion. And this home was absolutely beautiful. And he was building it 
with mud and straws. He was using uh, kind of a medieval, um, kind of old uh, technique in doing this home, and he just wanted to do it to show that it could be done. And it was an absolutely beautiful home. Um, and, and so people are still using like hay and straw and building materials today. A lot of people are using it as a natural way to um, insulate homes in modern homes. And, and so you need to understand these are still legitimate building materials. And as you know, wood's very acceptable. There's not a home in America that uh, probably does not have wood in it somewhere. But out of those six materials that are listed, there are only three that will withstand fire, and then the other three won't. I mean, so think about this. Gold, silver, and jewels are the really expensive, valuable ones. They will withstand the fire. Wood, hay, and straw are very common materials. They're very cheap, but they won't withstand fire. And so you have to ask yourself as a Christian, do I want to use materials that are perfectly acceptable to the world in order to build God's kingdom, or do I want to go above and beyond and make sure that I build God's kingdom with the absolute best that God has to offer and give my absolute best in the process? Because here's the deal, when you stand before God, if the work does not pass the test of fire, it says the builder will still be saved. So so it's not like, you know, you put your faith in Christ and you put forth a little bit of work and he's just going to send you to hell because you didn't, you know, you didn't do it. You know, it says that the builder will still be saved, but like someone barely escaping the flames of a fire. And it doesn't talk about the reward that will be there for investing in God's kingdom the right way. And, you know, as I was sitting here today, the only thing that I've ever thought of as a Christian that would be worse than than being a non-believer you know, because at least the person who doesn't believe in Christ, they're going to go, they're going to live their life, they're going to enjoy the world, they're going to enjoy sin, they're at least going to have, you know, some fun in life. But the only thing that would be worse than that would be someone who, you know, went to church and, you know, gave money and gave time and did all that and really didn't believe in Jesus and really didn't try to build God's kingdom. They just went through the motions and they wasted their time doing it. And then when they stand before God, they don't receive an award. Or maybe God says, depart from me, for I don't even know you. And so then you receive the same thing that a non-believer receives. And that would be the most depressing thing ever. And so Paul is is really challenging this church in Corinth to take a step back and really consider what it means to be a part of God's kingdom and to build God's kingdom together. Um so the fire is going to show whether or not your work has true value in the eyes of God. And, and it's important to remember that. And we're all on the same team. Paul talks about that. We're all on the same team. We all have same access to the materials. And each of us are God's own temple. And that's really important to remember. To understand that as believers in Christ, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit should be dwelling in us. Our bodies are its temple. And if we don't turn from sin, then we allow sin to destroy the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if we destroy the temple, then Paul says that God will destroy us. There's this correlation of being free from sin and separated from sin as believers in Christ. And we can't be deceived in this. Paul is trying to convey truth because the Corinthians have been deceived. 
we have we've got to become fools in the world's eyes in order to truly be wise. They're not going to understand why you don't participate in sinful things, why you don't participate in conversations, why you don't dress like they do, why you don't act like they do, why you don't talk like they do, why you don't watch things that they do. Why The world's not going to understand it. They're going to see you as foolish or crazy because the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. And Paul talks in verse 19. He quotes Job chapter 5, verse 13. He says, God traps the wise with their own cleverness. And in verse 20, Paul quotes Psalm chapter 94, verse 11. And he says that God knows the thoughts of the wise to be worthless. So God sees all these wise, amazingly smart people of the world. And the whole world looks at them and they ooh and ah over them. And they talk about how amazingly smart and clever they are. But God looks at them as fools because he knows that the world is more than just numbers. It's more than just ideas. It's more than just understanding. So much about the world and people and existence is spiritual. And you remember last week in chapter 2, we talked about, you know, if you're spiritual, you can evaluate all things. But if you're not spiritual, you can only evaluate worldly things. And so it's very important for us to be spiritual and to have the wisdom of God rather than to be wise and have wisdom of the world because you can be the wisest person on earth and God's still going to look at you like a fool. But if you're the wisest person in, in, in spiritual matters, if God gives you wisdom in that and you understand spiritual things, then you are benefited for all of eternity. And Paul closes out this letter with a challenge for these people not to boast, uh, but to understand that everything belonged to them. Now, now this is cool because Paul is not saying, hey, you're all idiots, you're all worthless, you don't own anything, nothing's yours, blah, blah. He doesn't demean them. He, he kind of closes out this letter by saying, hey, remember, everything has been given to you. I mean, you think about this. You, you say that you're followers of Paul and Apollos, but God has given you Paul. God has given you Apollos. You know, you say you're, you're seeking wisdom of the world. Well, God has given you the world. God has given you life. God has given you death. God has given you the present. God has given you the future. All these things have been given to you, but we belong to Christ. And so although all the things of the world has been given to us, we all belong to Christ. We are, we are Christ's property, and Christ belongs to God. And so we all are a member of this, this chain that funnels back to God. Of, of belonging, of ownership, and God owns it all, and He owns us. <coughs> so remember who you belong to you today as you contemplate on whether or not you're, you're going to decide how you will invest in building the kingdom of God. Are you going to use the good materials? Are you going to go all in so that your efforts will withstand the fire of testing? Or are you going to cheap out and try to invest in the world while you're also investing in God's kingdom? And you just got to remember the world's fading away. It's really important not to invest so much in the world. The world's fading away. Invest in God's kingdom. Invest in, invest in Him. Give your all to Him. Make sure that your work is going to withstand the fire. Okay? That's all I got for you today. Now, I will not be posting a midweek Bible study next week as it's Thanksgiving week. 
and my family and I will be getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving with our families. We got a lot of work to do, a lot of cleaning to do to have people over at the house. But I just want to send out my love and thankfulness to you all. Uh, appreciate you guys listening in. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving, and I will be back with you two weeks from today. Uh, let me pray with you, and I'll let you go. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the men and women who are listening right now. I pray, God, that you would speak into their hearts and help them to see how much you love them, how much you care for them. Lord, all the things that you've given them, all the things that they have access to in order to be mature, godly, spiritual believers. And I pray, Lord, that you would help them to receive these things in the name of Jesus. Help them to know that you are with them. You have made all things available so that they can serve you and honor you and glorify you. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you so much for everything. That's it. You'll be with us in all we do. We love you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in for another week. We love you. We're praying for you. If you can't catch us uh, on campus, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, and podcast. We love you. Have a great week.